Location 8. The Tree's Fruit. You imagine that prehistoric being, that one who decided to leave the sea and traverse otherwise. Do you imagine it could walk directly or breathe instantly? Do you think it has floundered on land and has died of suffixion? How must the drought have felt for it? Might this being have enjoyed itself? Had it suffered? What could have motivated it to leave the warm seas to begin with? We are told that it felt not appreciated there, that it had to compete too much with others, that it was set against a failing, against submission and repression. The old Nicholas Mailbranch, in search of his truth, a beneficial truth to be precise, had a taunting mechanical understanding of how these things work. He said, Thus, in animals there is neither intelligence nor souls as ordinarily meant. They eat without pleasure, cry without pain, grow without knowing it. They desire nothing, fear nothing, know nothing. And if they act in a manner that demonstrates intelligence, it is because God, having made them in order to preserve them, made their bodies in such a way that they mechanically avoid what is capable of destroying them. You are not that ignorant. In our times, you realise it is not tolerable to take such a reductive stance. It is true that all animals eat, cry, experience pleasure inasmuch as the human animal, and that they cannot be wholly indifferent about it. You tell yourself that we should not forget that we stem from these mechanical creatures, although we have no real relationship to them. It took us too long to realise our standing, and that is what Nietzsche had so right. To be able to vouch for oneself, and to do so with pride, and so to have the right to affirm oneself, that is, as I have said, a ripe fruit, but also a late fruit. How long this fruit had to hang sharp and bitter on the tree, and for an even longer time there was no real sign of such a fruit. We are a fruit that took too long to ripen and has a short expiration date, very short you see, but we can expel this expiration. Foucault rethinks this position of agency, of consciousness that is short-lived in us. You know this fact, it swirls within you, preoccupying you with legacy or, in other words, death. As an example, Foucault notes that the epic was conceived precisely to guarantee the immortality of a hero, which is indeed a strategy of defeating death. As a result, the death of the protagonist somewhat ironically reinstates the protagonist as a transcendent phenomenon of even bigger significance than before their real death, which has transformed him into a victim of his own.